At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. Does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. You know, it's the typical... Cody, I think she gave him 24 hours at least to read some articles this time, right? Our yeah, guest is 15 minutes. Barely. I did barely. barely. Barely I'll did it, but I won't start. I, I, I did it exactly when I'm supposed to do it. 24 hours is good. We only got four articles. Five. I know, and I'd already been, I'd already been kind of some of those articles I'd already seen anyway, so it wasn't too bad. Of, too bad. Are we actually going to talk about articles today on the round? No, I doubt 30. it. I don't, I don't have a lot to say on the articles, I don't think, but. <laughs> oh, there's a couple we probably need to get to, and a couple the, the ones that Robbie put on there we can skip, but. <laughs> A lot of it's the same theme over and over again. Genuinely, the poaching in Germany one. I'm not sure we need to deal with that. Yeah. Well, let's just deal with it right now. Did you even have an inkling that there was even poaching occurring in Germany? Over and under of the audience, I'm saying two would say that there's poaching in. Yeah, I probably didn't think a whole lot about it. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't think a well, lot about it. It's also ridiculously low in numbers. What do you mean low? A thousand cases? A thousand cases in an entire country a year? I mean, I don't, I don't, in a country of, of tens of millions of people, I, I'm, I'm not saying that a thousand, you know, that's a thousand too many, but I don't know that a thousand poaching cases a year in Germany is a is a topic that that warrants discussion. Am I wrong? You've got to assume you've got to assume that that poaching number is ten percent or twenty percent of the actual total. You can't assume that that is like a hundred percent. So it's just tenfold. Ten thousand things are being poached, or even a hundredfold. What do you what What do you think it is in the U.S. Hundreds of thousands of cases. Well, and from what I know, you can't. You definitely could take it more than tenfold if you take the ones that are actually caught in in America versus not. I mean, now what that number is in Germany. I, first, to say I've never been there, so um, I don't know what, how that would necessarily look. But I would tell you that um, the article we're talking about is published in. The DW.com poaching in Germany, an underestimated problem. Only about a thousand cases of poaching are reported in Germany per year. But as poachers often carry illegal firearms, police take the issue seriously. 
80, 80, uh, here, here's my whole point. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. 83 million people in Germany. Quick Google search. Don't argue with me on that. It's close enough. Six, six and a half million people in Colorado. Thousand citations a year in Germany. 3,300 a year in Colorado. 11, okay. 12, 13 times as many people, one third of the amount of citations issued. Now, what I don't, you know, maybe they don't have near the, the robust law enforcement presence. And, but I, I, that was my thing. I was like, holy shit, the whole country only has a thousand a year. That was the way I looked at the article. You know, and Germans, there's very little rednecks in Germany, very cultured society. You know, the, the private land, wild boar. Ah. Yeah, probably not. not as much access, right, for poaching anyway. Um. Yeah, and they've got other things to do, man. It's just, it's just, it's not a society that, like, poaching, like. And we don't. What are you saying? We don't have anything else to do. No, I'm, I, yeah, I am. It's yeah. like, I don't know. No, I don't disagree. I mean, there's more access to probably ability to poaching. I mean, I've not been all over to every state, but I've been to a lot of them. And if you're riding down the road in Mississippi, Wyoming, Montana, Alabama, most of the South, the ability to poach and ride through undeveloped land. And then also the number just gun, you know, our freedom in America to have guns and the ability to do that is going to add to the fact of that. So in the same point as Cody said, I mean, to Germany, most people don't live in the middle of the country and most of them don't have access to as many firearms and things as we probably do. So mm -hmm. the question to me is what's, why is the article written? What's it about? Like what's the, no, no, no Kane. The question is why did Robbie put it on our list of discussion tonight? <laughs> That's the question. We could spend years on this podcast on the internet asking why someone wrote this down. There's a billion examples of that. Right. Right. Robbie, what was your overall thought of it? Cause it seemed to me, I'm, I'm really not making fun of you. It was an interesting read, but it's he's making me, fun of you. He's making, totally making seemed, fun of you. It seemed to me like you came at it as holy crap. That's a bunch of poaching. And I'm not, I, I'm really not making fun anymore. I'm, I think it's worthwhile to discuss that I came at it from the exact opposite angle of, good Lord, that's less than three a day in the entire country where the state good of Colorado. Right there. On, the, on the ball with your math today. What's that? I said you're on the ball with your math today. Yeah, it's like a calculator before I get in the whiskey up here. Yeah, that's that's the key here. To, to <laughs> that's why avoid... y'all it at 6 o'clock his time. No, to avoid what? Cody being in the source before getting into the roundup. Because then that's why we do it a little earlier for his time where he's located. Right. <laughs> right. Before I break out. No, the, I, the reason for the article was I just found it very interesting that you almost associate poaching like with an Africa type scenario. Uh, yeah, you have the odd poaching case here in the United States, but never heard of a poaching case out of Europe. And here we go. Here's an article about poaching in Europe. Yeah. Well, and I think also, I think that in the U.S., we don't hear about the guy that got a $25 citation because he shot four squirrels instead of three, right. you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, that, so that's part of that, uh, 3,300 in Colorado or, you know, there, there's, there's like, I really think there's this massive spectrum that the word poaching encompasses, right? When I interviewed Bob Holder, I admitted to him that one time I shot one more teal. I went, I, I shot a teal that went over my limit. Um, but I shot twice. I shot once and one duck fell, and I shot again and four ducks fell with one shot. And, I, you know, I don't think that taking that second shot when I had three ducks left to get was – I still did it. I mean, I'm admitting it. I, I went over my limit. Um, I was also nine, by the way, so I apologize to anyone out there. You know, um, I've, I've moved on from my poaching Statue days. Statue of limitations but, is probably passed at this point. Yeah, right? that's a whole lot different than, you know, the guys up in the northern Rockies that circled up a herd of elk from a canyon and, and waylaid 18 or 19 of them, whatever it was. Um, that I don't want to – I still – 
I still broke the law. I, I broke federal law. They broke state law. So maybe I am worse. But that's, uh, I think that 3,300 in Colorado, I'd be interested to know what the like big game to permit and, you know, like fishing probably too, right? I mean, if you fish without a fishing license, that's poaching, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Kane Overstreet, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. It's been a while, man. We're talking about uh, Cody's duck hunting abilities. You, you, you tossed us aside for some good duck hunting in Mississippi the I other did. week. It's actually in Arkansas, across the river into Arkansas for for a few days. So. Kept to your limits. Oh yeah, we we smashed them. We smashed them. It was a good uh, twenty minute. 20 minute mallard limit the first day uh and second day was a lot more wood ducks with another 20 30 minute shoot and we were done so it was a good two days sure well Um, introduce yourself to the people that may not under may not know who the famous kane overstreet is (laughs) there will be a lot of people that don't know the kane overstreet i can promise you um i'm kane overstreet i live in starkville mississippi and uh Loved hunt and uh, have three sons and trying to bring them into that world as well. I've known Robbie for a long time since before Blood Origins and I uh, was very interested in what you were doing early on getting started in this. And uh, I think for me, the the part of it is I've grown up in Mississippi hunting and hunting when I want to, where I want to, hunting quail on horseback, hunting deer when I want to, hunting ducks, whatever it was. Um the thought that there, as a young person, the thought that there was any real people against that was not even in my realm of understanding as a young person. And then as I got to college, still going to college in Mississippi, I mean, just not as much of that. And now at 44 and just climate of the world as it's changed. And I think uh, internet and uh, Instagram and Facebook and all the ways that people were able to get together and talk about things. I think it's under a lot more attack. And I think that um, what y'all are doing is so important. One of the reasons I support it and for it is that I have a day job and that's not what I'm going to do every day. Um, But I think so many people don't realize how much is going on out there. And as there's problems that are happening in California, the guy in Mississippi goes, well, that's California, but it's not California. I mean, it is California, but it's the United States. And as Mm -hmm. rules change, it affects us and something going on in Germany or other countries, we go, Oh, well, not as many people can hunt over there. So not as many people have guns and not as many people, whatever, that'll never happen here. Well, that's not true. And so I think, um, you know, I just think it's such an important role of what y'all are doing and everybody that's doing, doing that. I mean, Dallas party club, whoever it is, all the things that are happening, everybody has their own ways of doing it. It's such an important part of it. And I've through the years have had that ability to, to spend more time with people that are against it or um, don't understand it. And so trying to have that elevator conversation that I can be prepared to give my two minutes of why I hunt. If you'd asked me 20 years ago, why I hunt, I don't know that I'd have been able to give you a real answer. And I think now it's a little easier to do that and define it and be prepared for that and have those conversations with people about, Hey, why it's good. And that I don't hang my head that I do it and that I enjoy it. And I think it's interesting listening to y'all's podcasts and others. I mean, we all also do it for different reasons and that's okay. You know, um, uh, you know, I don't have to get off on, Matt's, I was listening to his podcast where he was going into all that with y'all about Instagram and Facebook and realms of hunters and what's a hunter and what's a whatever, like, and that's okay. I don't, I don't have to get into any or all of that, but I think the point is it's okay to have a different opinion on why you hunt. Like some people hunt because they don't care about killing anything. They want to go somewhere and hang out with their family. And some people go because they enjoy hunting and some you know, people would say some of it's for a bloody reason, and then others would say it's for food. And sometimes it can be both. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing things for a lot of different reasons. So I just think that sometimes, you know, I, defining why you hunt and then us getting all on the same board of being okay with what your definition of trophy hunting or what your definition is of meat hunting or what that is, it's okay. At the end of the day, we all got to be on the same. 100%. Guys that are against high fence hunting. I mean, 
yeah. know, big border against it in different areas of that thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all kind of got to get behind the line together and support it. And so I think it's good that we flesh this out in conversations here as well. And people are kind of understanding both sides of that. So anyway, that's yeah. my soapbox for a minute. And that's who I am. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. And I want to brag a little bit about you because you essentially were one of the first that even bought hats from like the first round of hats we ever built like 18 months in. And one of your kids still wears that hat. Look, that's his lucky hat. That's his lucky hat. So when he hunts, that's the one he, that's the first one I ever had. It's faded. Now it's almost brown black. So we've got some other ones, but that's when he goes to the woods, he better have that hat on. So, uh, so you were the first to buy a hat. You were the first to invite us to have almost a house meeting, uh, hosted us at your house. Uh, you're a big supporter of ours. Uh, we're just, we're very, very humble to have you in our lives and we appreciate what you do. And obviously having three boys, you know, makes you, makes you love it even more. Right. And makes you cherish it even more, which is no the doubt. best part about it. No doubt. And changes why you do it, you know, and what you like about it. I've definitely evolved as a hunter through the last 30 years for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Cody, you want to do a little bit of admin before we dive into the other articles? Yeah, absolutely I do. It's the part I'm excited about. Let me pull up my notes. Um, sometimes I fly through it, but we've got some stuff in the shop. Um, still, still on a bit of a hat search. Still on a hat search, that's right. And hey, you have to push me because I've got a design ready to go for uh, all of our England UK followers a t-shirt will do a blood origins logo with their flag underneath it I just need to build it and put it in the shop very cool okay get on that quit quit uh, procrastinating that if you would um, of course we we've got our uh, supporters program um, you know my my main thing that I like to talk about the supporters program is the reason we fundraise that way is so that no no one gives us no single entity gives us enough money to tell us what to do so we're not going to take sides we're for all the hunters um we have people from uh on my last count um 13 countries and uh, you know what we need to do is we're at 46 states i need to make a list of the four states we don't have someone in the support nebraska Massachusetts. If you're wrong, mm, we're going to get Vermont. No, it's okay. I've got there. Those are the I, I I guarantee you the three that I just mentioned are the ones that we don't have. Okay, you only mentioned three. You're one off. Yeah, I know. I That's why I didn't get specific because neither one of us know what the hell we're talking about. I thought I would let it float a little bit, but uh, it and actually, if he says he guarantees, that's that uh, doctor mind there. He's probably right. Mm-hmm. So the supporters program. For this price of a cup of coffee, as Robbie likes to say, I like to let you know that it's a minimum of $3 a month. He says that cup of coffee thing because what he figures is if you're a, like an $8 a cup coffee person, you'll give more to the supporters program. That's why he puts it that way. If you're a $1.50 cup of coffee guy like me at the 7-Eleven, um, it's the price of two cups of coffee a month. Um for three bucks, you can join the supporters program. Keep us doing what we're doing. It's very easy. Go to bloodorigins.com and click on support, or I believe it says donate. Um, Corporate Conservation Club, if you have any type of a business or corporation out there, would like to put your money where your mouth is back in our mission here at Blood Origins. Um, sim- very similar to the supporters program, just a... Uh, large slightly larger minimum donation of $50 a month and you get your logo with a link to your website and uh, we also I think we do a pretty good job of just thanking you um you know let, letting people know that we genuinely couldn't do it without you smile.amazon.com if you go to smile.amazon.com and you buy your stuff there after you select blood origins as your charity of choice we won't be getting your money. We will be getting some of Jeff Bezos' money. Did you guys see Jeff Bezos' yacht? Uh-uh. He's getting a yacht built. And I'm going to screw up which Scandinavia. I believe it's in Norway. Okay? The yacht is so big that a bridge that is a historic landmark has to be completely dismantled to get it no out. No way. Yep. 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 No, 100% true. Look that up. Also, the bridge... 
is made with a huge arch in the middle of it for giant ships to be able to go underneath it. But Bezos, they're building a ship inside the bay that they can't get out of the bay without dismantling a yacht. Sorry yeah. for the distraction. Dismantling um, the bridge, you mean? Dismantling the bridge. Yeah, they have, and it's a historic landmark that's not used anymore because it's so old. Sidebar, sorry. Um, listener interactions, you can email us at uh, info at bloodorigins.com. Let us know that you did not want to know about Jeff Bezos' yacht or text us at <laughs> text us at 620-860-4804. Um, kind of the best way really to interact with the podcast is that text thing um, because it's just not, you know, there, it, it, it's hard to interact with comments on a podcast and leave individual comments there. They go out to so many places that we have trouble managing them. Honestly is what it is. Um, so uh, I got, uh, I got the, I got the States. Okay. I just looked it up. And so Vermont, zero supporters, Rhode Island, right. zero supporters, Nebraska, zero supporters, Delaware and Maryland. Five. Five. We do have Beatles. some in Mass. We got four in Mass. We got one in Connecticut. We got five in Maine. Some the the four Massachusetts people are mad at us because you called them out earlier and they're there. They're backing us. I just I just corrected it. I just corrected it. No problem. Hey, I'm can I give a I'm gonna give one little extra and I'm not being paid to do this, but I, I do wanna say, like anybody that's listening, like I'm a supporter and I, you know, give money outside of the monthly, but I do the monthly as well. Um like for all of y'all listening out there, three dollars. You hear it on all the infomercials or whatever. Like three, five dollars, cup of coffee, a pizza. Like I don't care how much money you make. Five. I mean, you shoot two shots of a duck, you spent five dollars. You know what I mean? Like you shoot one deer, you spent three dollars. Like you sight in your rifle for the week for a season, you spend ten dollars. So, I mean, I hope you get more than five or ten dollars, but. When we all go to work every day and we enjoy on the weekend getting to go hunt or grab an afternoon away, like if you're 45 like me or 60 or 30, your chance of losing your hunting is probably pretty slim. But if you're thinking about your kids or grandkids to come, like go do what you do every day and give some money to organizations like this that do this because, I mean... If it's going to stick around, we can sit here and I think we get in our bubble of what we are as hunters, but man, we're, we're missing it. Like we're, we're stuff like this, this interaction. I don't have to get on Instagram and Facebook and have the arguments that, that Robbie and Cody are having with people. And you know, that they're going to support us well or, or represent us well when they're out there talking. So, you know, 20 bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or a hundred bucks or you know, whatever it is, like it's money well spent, like pick a, night not to go get ice cream or have a cup of coffee or instead of ordering $35 worth of pizza, eat a turkey sandwich. Like it, it's little things like that. that it, you just, We just don't think about it. And most of people that are hunters live in more rural areas. I think that listen to this or deal with it. And I, you just, you don't realize the nastiness sometimes is out there that is this. And so I think it's a very worthy cause that you give to a lot of different causes or I give to my church or do all that kind of thing, but things like this that are, we're passionate about like 20 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Come on, like, let's do it. And you have an opportunity to win an knife. I mean, you know, give $10 a month, spend 120 bucks, get a $300 knife for a hunting trip somewhere. That's mm -hmm. a pretty good gamble. So I just, all that to say, whoever's listening out there too, to this or, or thinking about it, like it's so easy to do it. And it, it lets them have to do the work instead of, you have to do it every day. And it's a, anyway, a very, a very good call. So Kane pays us this, to be our spokesperson. This is a good, this is a good, this is good I like uh, business it. development. We just made up those, um, you know, those, it almost like those cardboard bibs, but they're wood that people right. wear at like red lights. Yeah. We just Sandwich made boards. some up. We're sending, sending them to Starkville. Kane. Yeah. Put your boys to work. Yeah. And let them uh, pedal on the, you know, That's university right. Right. on on game days, football right. game days. That's with right. A, with like a, like, hey, give us some money. Give us some money. Blood origins. So <laughs> anyway, I know that's y'all didn't ask me to do that, but I just think that, I just that. think it's it's a pretty easy 
no matter what kind of money you make or do, you have that opportunity to do something like this pretty easy. And like I said, shoot two less teal next year, and you, that's five dollars. You know, so. Hey, we that's got right. we that's got right. one text I want to deal with too, Robbie. It's actually from uh, Dave sent us two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on the roundup, we talked to uh, Doctor Steve. Um, and we got into this conversation about trophy hunting, and it was driven by a text from Dave. Who we Dave got into said, a lot of other conversations too. Right? Yeah, yeah, we did. If if you if you haven't caught the uh, podcast with Doctor Steve, we got somewhat sidetracked there, but we we did talk about the term trophy hunting. Kind of bounced it around. It was driven by a text from Dave. Dave listened and replied back. Um, and he, it's a two paragraph text. And the one he says that our conversation really made him think. Dave's original text was basically we should stop saying trophy hunting and start saying something to the effect of challenge hunting um first paragraph he kind of says that he rethought rethought it and uh agrees with cody and dr steve by the way he put that explicitly in there yeah um, i don't know what's wrong with dave dave stop stop well, hold on with hold, cody. hold on his second paragraph reads to robbie's point i have never killed a deer and i am a trophy hunter <clears throat> Last year, I had the opportunity to shoot a young deer, and I had the appropriate tag for it, and I never shot about thought about shooting that animal because he wanted an older, more mature animal. And and that, uh, you know, that is Dave's definition of a trophy. And I think that is our. I just want to reiterate that that is my quest with the phrase trophy hunting is to get people to understand that literally no hunter poachers may but no hunter in the united states shoots an animal for the horns cuts the horns off and leaves the rest of the animal out there um and there's just like kane talked about all the different reasons and motivations for hunting that are out there there is also a million definitions of what my trophy is um when i go out in the field i think that you know kane kane probably last week held up a big green head or a or a pretty wood duck and very much considered that a trophy, a, 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 you know, a memorabilia from the hunt, whether it's a picture or it ends up taxidermied on a wall or it's just the memory. Those are all trophies. So thanks Dave. And uh, we always appreciate your comments. I do, I do think that was an interesting point. Oh, I can't remember one of the podcast, you know, what is, what is a trophy? If you, I can't remember, I think Cody said it, but, you know, if you don't shoot the first animal that walks out, by some definition, you're trophy hunting, right? You're picking to shoot, uh, you know, so trophy hunting has, you know, for my, you know, I've, I've harvested and killed a lot of whitetails and I've killed some good ones and I've killed some okay ones and whatever else. But to, I take a new guy hunting, that eight point that I'm not going to shoot, I let him shoot it to him. That's a trophy. And so I think that some people that get mad at trophy hunting, I think that's a great point. Like if I shoot a, you know, if I only like to try to shoot greenhead mallards instead of Susie's, am I trophy hunting? Cause I'm only trying to shoot greenheads. Cause like that's a choice. And so in a way, yeah, you want the picture to be all greenheads. So don't shoot any, any females, shoot all just greenheads. Only. So is that trophy hunting? You are, it's selective hunting. And so something is, selective hunting um i don't know how we make this change of trophy hunting i how we change that word or what it is i don't know i think more education on what it means and it's going to be right. a word that's going to be continued to be for sure used. but i think people that are hunters that get mad at the word trophy hunting i think need to rethink what they're saying when they say trophy I, hunting and talk about what they really mean by hunters that they don't trophy hunters i think the important part of that education too the two examples that you just gave kane white tail bucks and green heads both of those things became trophies they became the target because of conservation practices right i mean there there, there was a time when i guarantee you almost nobody cared if they were shooting a green head or a susie right the government and the biologists and the science started to tell us that if you remove more males than you do females, it does good for the pop. It's better for the population growth, right? 
Exact same thing with the reason that Boone and Crockett started talking about horn size back when Teddy Roosevelt formed the Boone and Crockett Club. Was if you remove older mature males when you're hunting, you do you, 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 it's better for the population growth, the population sustainment. Both of those trophies are conservation driven. The reason that those are the things that people go for. Now, you know, it is a better picture with a bunch of, you know, it's, it's a greenheads on a log is better if you're not that one dope that had to put a, had to put an all brown Susie right in the middle of it. You know, I mean, and, and, I'm not sure every single one of us, every time as we're working our bead through the sky is thinking about conservation, but that's what that's driven by. That's what started that process. Um, and that's the type of education that I think the general public needs. And understand that we're the ones that are driving. And I know y'all talk about it plenty, but I mean, we are the ones that are, you know, spending the money and the time to make that conservation happen. I have family that don't hunt and, uh, are against it to an extent. And, uh, but it's been cool to have those conversations with some of them and go, you know how much, how many food plots I plant every year and the amount of money I spend to do that. And my friends spend to do that. And these deer that y'all like to look at when it's winter time and the crops are all gone, they're eating the stuff that I plant. And I don't know, I'm sure they're out there. I'm not saying they aren't. But I don't know many people that spend that kind of money to go plant food plots to take care of the deer in the wintertime and off season that are doing it just to take a picture of them because they love a deer. Like they do it. I love deer. I love just to watch them. I don't shoot that many of them anymore, but um, that's why we do what we do. And the greenheads are there and the ducks are there because we, the, the money that's raised to do that and the money we spend is to, take a few out and leave some there. And I, and I think, and that's easy for us. I'm preaching to the choir in this conversation here, obviously, but I think that's where that conversation, look, there's going to be those that are going to be super mad and whatever. I mean, there's no matter what we say, that's not going to change. Yeah, right. that. But I think it's finding those ones in the middle. I mean, I've got family members that, uh, that understand why I do it, you know, and, will like a picture on Facebook when I put my kids, you know, killing a deer on Facebook. They're not, they're against it. They don't hunt. They don't like hunting, but um, we've had enough conversations one-on-one -on -one that they understand my motive behind what I do and my love for it. And, and they get it. And so they're not going to be one of the people jumping up and down the stream and all hunting, right? Like they're, they're not, they'd be okay if it went away, but I think, they at least have a better understanding. I think that's part of our role is, is that like, that's my, like I said, the elevator conversation or whatever with people where we're able to start telling people like, Hey, this is why I hunt. Do I know why I do what I do? And maybe you influence that person that you see somewhere. Uh, just they go, Hey, Kane's a decent dude and he hunts. And I wouldn't have thought that, you know, and, and, why does he do it? And he explained it, that the food he eats and he helps give it away to people that need it. And he also enjoys the ability of going with his kids to, or his friends to a deer camp or a duck camp and spending a weekend together and recreation and having a good time. And sometimes part of that recreation and time and who I am and the way God made me is harvesting animals, you know, and that's, you know, I eat meat. And so, uh, I think, you know, and so that once again, what y'all are doing maybe helps some of those. I know there still has to be these violent fights and not necessarily violent, but you know, I mean, these, these hard conversations with people that are totally against it and articles that are written that way and everything. But I think that grassroots effort of like, hey, talk to the people around you about it and don't do stupid stuff and don't, you know, don't be dumb with the pictures you post and don't be dumb with the conversations you have and, try to take that time day to day when you have an opportunity to talk when you're wearing a piece of camouflage or there's mud on the side of your truck to maybe tell somebody that doesn't know it why you do what you do and understand you know why you do what you do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i actually had a guy today i was uh obviously we follow a couple of people that are not hunters but with big accounts and uh, i noticed a a post from a hunter that was being a little disrespectful to wildlife actually a coyote that he had just killed in a coyote in a coyote contest 
And I felt like, oh, should I comment on his page? And I was like, no, nah, I'll just DM him. And he hasn't seen the DM, unfortunately, because I asked him politely to remove the video because I said, and it's not because you're not supposed, you're not, you don't have the right to post whatever you want to post, but I know for a fact that an anti-hunting group has already picked this up and is using it against us. Right. And that the fact that, you know, let's just think a little bit, do you want to continue to do what you do or do you want your kids to be able to do what you do? Then I would just take the video down. But he hasn't seen it. Hopefully he sees it here in the, in the next couple of days and pulls it. But it's already been pushed into an account that has like 180,000 people. Very active account too. Anyway, um, let's... Uh, Kane, since you are our guest, we have a couple of articles left. Uh, what do you want to tackle next? Um, I think like the the. I mean, they all have a lot of the same themes, but the the Idaho Wolf Controls Border. I mean, Control Control Board will have a million dollars to kill wolves. Um, so let's talk about rhetoric, Cody, for a second. There is no more divisive of a topic than wolf management. And we know that wolf management is hot in the United States right now. But based on all the articles that we're seeing, Finland, they just, uh, they actually had a proclamation to go and do some culling on wolves. And the high court of Finland stopped the culling because they don't believe there's enough science behind the density of wolves. Uh, we've got wolves in Spain that are no longer allowed to be killed. We've got wolves in Belgium. We've got wolves in Norway. We've got wolves in Germany. It's This topic is everywhere right now. Hey, and let me, let, let me throw this out at you real quick. Here's a number that I want to have a discussion over, okay? Norway is going to, is, is going to of course, the article that you posted says slaughter. Norway is going to harvest 60% of their wolves, which is 51 wolves. So if 51 is 60%, then they have somewhere around, I can't, that's math I can't do in my head, 98, 97. No, it would be less than 100 because 51 is 60%. Oh, I did it. I did it back. Kane's been on the source already. I thought you said 60 right. was 51%. I went there. No, it's, it's, it's somewhere around 90 wolves that they have. Okay. Someone could do a calculator and text me. I'm sure someone will. But it's somewhere around 90 wolves. Get this. Mon- Norway, the total area of Norway, 148,721 square miles. 148,000 square miles is Norway. Okay. Montana, 147,000. Okay. There's literally 1,680 square miles difference. They're basically the exact same size. Okay. 1,100 wolves in Montana right now, and we're trying to put them back on the endangered species list. Norway's killing 51 to get down to 40 total wolves and three breeding pairs. Mm-hmm. In Montana, exact same size. We have 1,100 wolves, and there is a major movement to put them back on the endangered species list. Those are the types of things, those are the types of stats and math I can't believe people don't look at. But those is, it really, is, is it really... Because that, you know, reading these articles and looking at it, the people that are against killing animals and against hunting, they're against hunting. Like, that, their mindset in the end is how do I make hunting look bad and how do I get rid of hunting? So it doesn't, this is not, this is a broad statement, but they're not seeing the pictures on the internet or hunters killing wolves when they fly in a helicopter in these countries and, and kill them, right? Like, they're not seeing that. So what they care about is that they take away any ability to hunt. So whatever that science means, whatever that thing is that that brings it down. And so with some of these articles, like the science of 1,100 wolves here or there or 
put them back. They always want to put them back on the endangered species list. It doesn't matter what it is, and they because they want to protect them no matter what. So it doesn't matter what science you come up with. You say they're killing elk or they're doing whatever. It doesn't matter. And then if they're gonna, if we have, if they have to shoot a few to keep them in check, if they're worried about them killing a child or doing something else, they're like, oh. I hate that happens, but at the end of the day, a lot of people just, they don't want hunting. So it doesn't matter what the science says. It doesn't matter what the, that they have to kill them in helicopters. Like they just don't want hunting. So. Yeah. You're spot on. You're a hundred percent spot on. My only asterisk to that is they claim to use science, right? Like, they claim that they have science for it. Now, some of them are even giving up on that, right? Where, like we saw with the Washington State bear hunt, um, where they literally said, this isn't about biology or science. It's about people are upset, right? So we're yeah. going to stop doing what, what was the word? A social, cultural uh, issue as opposed to science because they've had to give up on the science side of it. But it it just blew my mind that, these Norwegian countries that so many folks look to as an example of how to run the world, they're going to knock off 60% of their wolves and take it down to 40 total in Norway. And somehow Montana is expected to put 1,100 of them on the endangered species list and stop harvesting them. That, those, yeah, those no doubt. I mean, it's a that. totally different. Uh, yeah, go kill 60% of the population in Montana and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. You made the area comparison, which is a perfect comparison. But population-wise, you know, you could expect that Montana has phenomenal wilderness to be able to, you know, handle a population of wolves that is much higher in density than a country like Norway. Now, Finland's a different matter, but Finland has some, some unique rural characteristics that the people are pretty much spread out throughout the, the, the land in Finland. They just have... You know, a lot of space between them, essentially. But well, yeah, no, I think no, we. I agree. Let's go back to rhetoric. Do we believe that things like this article, Idaho Wolf Control Board will have a million to kill wolves? The Wolf Depredation Control Board is requesting uh, money from the legislature to be able to pay hunters and trappers. Do we think that's good rhetoric around pushing wolves or should we just be a little softer in discussing wolf management? Should we? Or should we as a hunting community? Um, Do you think that we as a hunting community put it out with that verbiage? No, I don't. Well, they're asking for money from the legislature to kill more wolves. Okay, I'm not. I'm not 100 tracking. Are you saying they should have asked for money from the legislature to and use the word manage instead of kill? Um, I yeah, I could. Yeah, words matter. I agree 100. percent Now to to back that up, I'm saying, do you think that the Wolf Depredation Control Board in what what state are we in here? Idaho. Idaho walked into the uh, where the office to get three hundred ninety-two thousand more from the general fund and said we need it to kill wolves. I mean, what what I'm saying is I think that the po- that uh, we'll just dime out Keith Riddler from the Associated Press. Um, I think he used the word kill. That's all we know. Yeah, true, true, true. We didn't look into it. Making assumptions. Um, you I know, maybe read, I maybe read this a little wrong, but I, so are you, that money that they're getting, you think they're getting that to pay hunters or they're getting that to kill wolves at hunters? They're not allowing us enough tags to do it, to take care of it ourselves. Oh, no. Idaho is like the smorgasbord for wolf hunting currently. And they have a bounty system. Correct me if I'm wrong, Cody. I believe they've got a bounty system on wolves that you... We can't use that word 
that's a uh, that's a uh, federal crime against wolves. Um, they have a. I'm not saying this is not my sleight of hand. It is a little bit of a sleight of hand. They have an expense reimbursement system. If you harvest a wolf, isn't that just fucking putting lipstick on no, a pig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come I'm on. agreeing with you. No argument here. That is, that is nearly rhetoric the other way. Like that's that's politically correct rhetoric right there. It's absolutely a bounty system. If, if I mean, if if you went up there and got serious about trapping, I could actually make some some money in Montana. Um, it's a thousand dollars. Idaho. I'm sorry, Idaho. in Idaho, it, there's it's a thousand dollars. It's based on regions. Um, the regions where the wolf populations are the highest, but there are regions where it's a thousand dollars a wolf. But I think the other half of that is what would it cost if they weren't paying hunters or trappers to do it, right? Like, well, well, it'd be I can more actually, than that. It's actually in this. Uh, I guess I missed it. No, it, it's going to take a little bit of a. Uh, it looks like they spent about um, four hundred and ten thousand last year and got forty wolves. Damn! So about ten thousand a wolf. That was where they, were, they, where they were not paying hunters, or they were doing it themselves, right? Right. Yeah, and I mean that's a, you know, you can't get a helicopter in the air for less than a thousand dollars with it. Right. So, I mean, so that's the answer, right? If, if, if we really need to get a wolf population down, I can do it for 10% if I let a hunter do it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of hunters that do it also pay to do it. Right. Right. But like, I'm just, that's, yeah. I, I'm just saying if they're paying about a thousand dollar bounty to kill, to, to kill a wolf. And I know we're not supposed to use bounty apparently, but a thousand dollars kill a wolf or, they're paying ten thousand dollars wolf to for the state agency to do it. Isn't it better to pay a thousand dollars wolf and let the guy fly in and kill one and rent a hotel room and pay tax on you know pay tax and eat food and do whatever? Like, yeah, I'm with you. And now we we can't. The point that you're making though, we can't knock Idaho for because it could not be any easier. I no, think I, a, I'm, say, I'm think saying it, I agree. I'm saying what Idaho is doing is smart. They right, can do the right. same thing for 10% of what it costs them to do it themselves on top of the fact that by the time I fly in there and I rent a hotel room and I eat food and I buy my over-the-counter tag, they they probably made close to $1,000 in uh, – But we have, a, we have a great example in Cody. Cody was a, 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 a cherished wolf hunter of, of the state of Idaho. He went in with big dreams – of uh you know spent a lot of money when hiking a lot like a and lot how many wolves did i'm you kind of a fat see? ass Kane. It, it wasn't really my thing to hike at high altitudes that much right um, daryl daryl carver that's on our podcast quite a bit as well was with me and he tried to kill me literally one day going up a mountain i thought it was some kind of the baton death march happening in the mountains of idaho you but, guys killed uh, it you guys killed so many wolves yeah we killed the exact same number of wolves as we did mule deer. <laughs> Which was 0.00%. We did see a couple of mule deer. I will tell you, we didn't, we really were, it was way more mule deer focused. Um, but to the point of everything and the need for the money. Okay. First of all, it, it's in stages, right? You got to make this argument of how many wolves should there be. Somebody has to decide that right now, the state of Montana gets to decide that. And there's way too many in their opinion. Secondly, same with the state of Idaho. Right. And I keep, I meant to say Idaho there. It's about the third time I've done that. I apologize. The state of Idaho, kudos to them because they have also made it as easy as possible for hunters to be a part of that management process. I believe Kane, that you could drive to Idaho right now and walk into a a uh, Walmart and give them twenty five dollars and go wolf hunting. I, I, I think uh, you got to have a hunting license, but nothing, right. right? Like cheap, probably cheaper than your licensing to duck hunt in Arkansas last week. No doubt. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is hunters, and I'm I'm uh, delineating between hunters and trappers here. Hunters are just not a very good. It's hard. It's really, really, really hard, and there's very, very, very little success. Again, 
text me and tell me how badass of a wolf hunter you are, but it's hard. Not very many people accomplish it. Send them tips uh, too. Send them tips. Yeah. Too. Yeah. We had a lot of tips. There's it might even we... come up. Yeah, exactly. I'll buy dinner. Um, trappers, trappers do a pretty good job, um, but there's just not enough of them, right? I mean, there's just not a whole lot of people that are dedicated enough to run trap lines and and stick to that and spend the pretty intense money up front to get loaded up with wolf traps. So yeah, it's a it, it's a management conundrum, um, but it's also a blatant conservation success. Um, you know, it's a it's a good thing as much as elk and mule deer hunters and ranchers might disagree with me. Be glad that we're at this end of the spectrum as opposed to they're reintroducing more wolves like they are in Colorado because we're about yeah, to get I hope, I, I hope that's not how I came across what I, I think I was I was saying like I I think the way they're doing it is great and and what I'm saying is there should more be the focus on the fact that they're saving the state money by doing it this way. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I think the problem is that you still come up against is people that are against hunting. It doesn't saving the state five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Math and I mean, science don't matter to them. Math and science. Are, I mean, no, matter. that matters, and so like it doesn't matter that you know whatever. I mean, now I do think there will be those that are moderately in the middle that might be at a dinner party and not be a hunter that might also say, you know what though, hunters saved the state of Idaho $500,000 last year. And also we had people fly in and stay here and eat our food and be here because they got to come here and hunt because we have a decent sized population. So, I mean, I do think we will, you will potentially get some. And so getting that out there, I think is a, is a positive. I mean, I, you know, I think trying to tell as many people as you can, like, Hey, why are we paying people to do something that people will pay to get to do? I mean, mm -hmm. like that, uh, that part mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me. And so I think we have to focus on those type people. I mean, all the people in the middle, you know, where it's like politics, you know, where everybody in the middle, you can find that group that you can go, Hey, I just need to influence you enough to, you don't have to, come do what I do. You just have to like what I understand what I do enough to do it. And then, then the, some of them you just got to fight with, you got, you know, the ones that y'all have to fight with on a day-to-day -day basis in this world that are every day, it, they can switch their reasoning from science to financial to whatever. They can do that every day. Um, and, and, you know, they're going to do that. They're going to do whatever, you know, fixes their, their agenda. So trying to find the people in the middle that don't really care to care enough to, you know, I think the mission for y'all and all of us is, you know, how do we get those that are excited about it to get excited enough to give money, time, effort to push. And then the next level down is the ones that will just give money to do and, and, and a little time. And then the third is the person that will be at a dinner party or on the internet and not, hate that people hunt and I understand it just a little bit just go okay I get enough understanding of why Robbie and Cody and Kane and do it I don't understand it but I don't understand why people like to go watch plays right like I don't I don't get it like my wife wants to go to New York we're gonna go to New York <laughs> next year at Christmas time and she and with a our, some real close couple friends and like they want to go see five plays like i've said i'll go to one or two and y'all can go to five but i want to go to one or two like i don't understand that i don't get it but i'm not trying to shut down new york city's uh, having plays like i you know i'm not i'm not trying to do that so i get it i support the arts apparently i'm gonna spend a bunch of money on tickets to go see it so um but like that's i get it enough to be okay with it um, and so just getting others to just be okay that I like to do what I do and not spit in my face because of it. Like that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for people to go, okay, hunters like to hunt and I get it. And we can argue the, I mean, I've been to Africa. I've been, I can tell you all the money and the people that get affected by it. And I think that's good that y'all do that. But at the same time, like, people that don't want to get that don't want to get it. I just need the ones in the middle to understand it. Like I don't 
understand plays, but I'm going to watch them. 100%. Valid point. 100%. Well, Kane, you've been a, a phenomenal uh, roundup guest, man. An hour has flown by. Close to an hour has flown by now. Um, yeah, you you know, just the fact that you have, again, three boys. i got two boys. Cody's got three boys. Um, it's um, it's something worth fighting for, right? And that's why it, we – Can I say something on that for just a minute? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't want to run us off. Obviously, we're a couple minutes short of an hour, so most of them go an hour, so I can take two minutes. <laughs> um, one of the things I would say, I, I grew up – my dad was a hunter, and we hunted some, but I have an uncle that I'm very close to that um, took me deer – my dad was a quail hunter and a bird hunter, and we did that, but he didn't deer hunt a whole lot, and so – he took me and I got to go to really nice camps and do some things. And, and, and now in my forties, um, the guys that I hunted with, a lot of them had sons around my age. And of those very few of them still hunt, uh, of the kids, very few of the, the sons that were in my age group still. And I think there again, every kid's different and every parent's different. So I'm not trying to tell everybody how to do it. I'm just saying for me, um, I was, I did not push my, my three sons. I did not overly push them to go. I'd be in the woods every day, every week or on a horse or doing something. All day. And they, our kids fight so much with technology and things they get to do and whatever. Now I have my 16 year old who like, he's really gotten into it, but he liked it when he was six and seven and nine and 10, but I didn't make him go all the time. I'd made him go out and, work on food plots a little, but not a lot. He didn't want to go. I didn't overly push it. When it was time to go deer hunting, he had a backpack that had snacks and uh, books and a coloring book and an iPad. Or I know sometimes you say, oh, let's don't take technology out into the woods. Like I was just trying to get my kids to want to go. And they wanted to leave a little early. I'd push them to stay a little longer, and then we would leave. And my now 13-year-old, same way. He'd go a little bit. He wouldn't. And he's really getting into it more and more. My nine-year-old, uh, you know, killed his first couple of deer this year at nine. And my other one started younger than he did. But, like, he's really kind of slowly gotten into it. And so I joined a different deer camp, one of the deer camps this year and started taking my kids down there to go and stay in a little double-wide trailer and, and go. And at first, they didn't really want to go. You know, and I said, we're going to go and we're going to do. And in the summer, I took them and they worked on food plots a little bit. And rode on four wheelers and they really started getting into it and took them deer hunting and they didn't want to be away from their friends. And then they were started asking to go. And I say all that to say like one of the things in our homes is our ability to raise that next generation of hunters. And I think that don't push your kids to try to fall in love with what you love to do. Like, they will get there or they won't get there, but at least they don't leave it at 25, not being a hunter and going, my dad made me go all the time. And now I hate hunting. Like now I have a 16, 16 year old that's loving it. I have a 13 year old that's starting to love it. I have a nine year old that's starting to enjoy it and go. And just like, I don't know. I, I don't know where that's from other than just to say, man, if you're out there and you got your kids that aren't into it yet, don't push them. My 16 year old's really just getting into it. And I, like I said, I love it. I travel hunt. I like to do it and go around. But just I've taken them on a few little trips now. We've done a little more. We're going on a turkey hunt in Texas in a month. And um, they're just all that say, all everybody listening or do. Like part of our job is to educate the community, but also the person you have the best influence on are your kids. And so, like, don't overly push that on it. And don't be frustrated when they don't want to do it because they will. A lot of times we'll come around or at least enjoy it to a point, enjoy spending time with their mom or dad getting outside a little bit. And they have so much to compete with. They don't have to be a pure hunter that wants to, you know, track animals when they're eight or nine. Like, just take them, just get them outside and do it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my my little piece on Well said. Well Well said, said, Ken. Couldn't have ended a roundup better than that. Yeah. So, Cody, any final words? No, good, good discussion. It's good to see you again, Kane. Yeah, you too. You too. You too. Well, Kane, we appreciate you, man. Thank you yeah. for the insight. Thank you for the conversation. Always yep. enjoy it. Enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy doing it. Come, come visit me in Starkville. We'll do it. All right, man. See ya. See ya.
Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know, right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.